In May of 2012, my girlfriend Emily and I capped off a year of travel by spending a few days in Paris, the culmination of a trip of a lifetime. We had left Canada in 2011 and headed west, starting in Australia for a few months, then four months in New Zealand, two months in Southeast Asia, and five weeks traveling across northern India, followed by a week in Istanbul. We then continued on to Paris for those final few days before getting on an air transat flight back to Montreal, a complete circumnavigation of the world. Eleven years later, we're now married, have two kids, we've been homeowners, pursued our careers, and settled down into regular life. In all that time, there have been a few small trips, weekend getaways, Cuban resorts for a week, and that's all nice, but nothing approaching the travel and life we used to lead. The memories are always there in the back of our minds and often the longing to experience something similar again, if it would ever even be possible. For a long time, it seemed completely out of the question. But then, suddenly, this year, we have found ourselves with the opportunity to travel again. This is no weekend road trip. This is the real deal. Everything has fallen into place. The chance is now, and the plans are set. On Tuesday, January 10th, we get back on that Air Transat flight to Paris to return to where we left off nearly 11 years ago and head off on another great adventure. We'll head overland through France to Barcelona and Madrid, then direct to Lisbon, which will be our home for the following month. From there, another six weeks remain open and unplanned. Who knows what discoveries await until we return back home on March 31st. And most of all, we are doing it with the kids, a new twist on travel. The kids are incredibly excited to see new places, ride trains and take airplanes. And for us as parents, it will be a whole new experience and adaptation full of joyful discovery. This podcast is our audio journal sharing insights on travel as a family, travel in 2023, sites and activities, practical tips and recommendations for parents, and reflections on something a long time coming, the return to travel. My name is Ted Craig. I'm a podcast host and producer, a tour guide, a musician, and a multipotentialite. I'm also husband to my wife, Emily, and father to our daughter, Dahlia, and our son, Hugo. We live in Canada, near Trois-Rivières, Quebec, although I am originally from Peterborough, Ontario. I'm a proud Canadian, Oui, je parle français aussi. Travel has always been part of my life and a fascination. As a kid, I would devour Reader's Digest books, pour over atlases and roadmaps, and beg my dad to take out his old slides of traveling through India and Nepal in the 1970s so we could have a travel evening from home. When we went on summer road trips to the maritime provinces, I would find the best routes and navigate our way there. I still remember the roads we took. What attracted me to travel? I loved the idea of seeing in person the places I had read about, the stunning photos I had seen, and pursuing the sensory experience that you only get from travel, from actually being there. The smells, the sounds, and the feels all around you. Touching the Sydney Opera House tiles with your hand. Walking on the Taj Mahal platform with the little socks they give you that cover your shoes to prevent damage. Marveling at the majesty of Hagia Sophia in Istanbul and how such a structure could be built nearly 1,500 years ago. Or scrambling to the top of a mountain, hiking oceanside trails, even swimming in warm ocean water. For a Canadian, this was a marvel the first time I did it. 
And then there's the food, getting to sample dishes from their native country with accurate ingredients, incredible freshness. The most amazing highlight of India was the food, every single meal. I love meeting people from around the world, learning about their lives and the differences and similarities to my own, trying out a new language and piecing together the human experience from different perspectives. These and more are the reasons we travel and why it can be so addicting. Gradually, I traveled more and more, including twice going on a European school trip in high school. We visited Amsterdam, The Hague, London, and the second time Paris as part of a Model United Nations conference, a truly life-changing experience that made me want to travel even more. I did two years at university, then I needed a break. So I got myself a UK work permit and in 2003 set off for England, where I lived, worked, and traveled for six months. I made it over to the continent too, visiting Berlin, Geneva, Chamonix, Paris, and Bruges. Some of my greatest travel stories came from that trip. Finishing university, I knew I wanted to take travel to the next level. I set out to see and experience as much of Canada as possible, starting in Halifax, Nova Scotia, then moving to Lake Louise in the Canadian Rockies, with stops afterwards on Vancouver Island and in Edmonton, Alberta. And then I found myself working in Jasper National Park, driving a special ice bus on the Athabasca Glacier. Look up the Columbia Ice Field and you'll find lots of pictures of the big bus with soft five-foot-tall tires driving on ice under towering mountains. That was me driving the bus for four summers. Is where I met my wife and lots of great friends, and for years it felt like home. In between two of those seasons, I also spent a year in Vancouver as a tour guide there and working at the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympics. Now that was something to cross off the bucket list. It was in Vancouver, though, that the realization dawned that if I was going to pursue my dream of living in Australia and New Zealand, I had better get on with it before I ran out of time. So after a year and a half of saving and planning, I loaded my trusty backpack again and set off for Sydney. I traveled around the country and ended up in Perth, living in Fremantle for about four months. Emily, who was working as a teacher by this point, joined me towards the end of that stay, and we spent the next few weeks seeing more of Australia together than going over to New Zealand. It was while we were there that we decided to extend the trip further and go to Southeast Asia and India and make our way back home in one direction. I remember getting home from that trip, having been away from Canada for 15 months, feeling satisfied, and now ready to do something different with my time. We would still travel around Canada and the eastern states, but we knew it would be nothing on that same scale, at least for a while. Of course, I knew that there was a chance that that kind of trip may never happen again. I didn't like the sound of that, but it wasn't something to worry about in that moment. As the years went by, we became more and more entrenched in our commitments and obligations. Emily went back to teaching. I got a job with Parks Canada once we settled near Ottawa. Dahlia arrived in 2015. We bought a house four months later. Then Hugo came along in 2017. It was a new adventure being a parent, not to mention a homeowner, and our energy, focus, and income all went into making that work. So the nomadic days were fading further and further away. I didn't hold out much hope that we would get to travel again like we did anytime soon, if ever. The pandemic, of course, slowed things down even more. Travel itself would surely come back, but what would it be like? Would it be safe to travel with kids? Would it be too expensive? Well, over time, we found ourselves wanting to be closer to Emily's family, near Trois-Rivières, in the middle of Quebec. That was a good four-hour drive from where we were living, and it was a long, tedious commute. Making the move happen, though, would require a lot of steps. I would have to leave my job, and Emily hers. The kids were still young, but we would need to find new daycares and schools, and we would have to sell our house and everything that involved. 
doing some repairs, finding an agent, putting it on the market, negotiating a sale. Then, of course, the actual move to where exactly we'd have to buy a new house. It was just about a year ago now, in early January of 2022, as we realized that the real estate market was likely going to give us a substantial boost to our investment, that the pieces started to click together. The old family farmhouse was available for us to stay in once we moved, with minimal expenses and no lease. We would have a place to land and lots of family support nearby. We could invest the money from selling the house and know that we would have security. So, of course, the first thought that came to mind, we have to travel. We owe it to ourselves to go somewhere, to do something, and make the most of this opportunity, because once again, who knows if or when it could come again. Before we settle into new routines, buy a new house and all the commitments therein, let's go have an adventure. And this time we're talking about more than just a week or two. Let's go live somewhere for a few months. In my travels in Europe, I had always wanted but had never got around to making it to Portugal. I knew it was a beautiful country, small, easy to navigate, with certainly a distinct history and culture. I'm always attracted to places at the edge, at the end of the road. I dream of standing at Cape St. Vincent, Cabo de San Vicente, and looking out at the wild Atlantic Ocean where explorers dared to venture, which for millennia was the edge of the known world. I was also attracted by the mystery of Portugal. I really didn't know that much about it. Lisbon and Porto a bit, or the wines of the Douro Valley, I've heard of this, but I, I couldn't really place where that was. I knew nothing about the Algarve, aside from watching the recent Formula One races there in Portimao. In fact, I think my first exposure to Portugal was learning about the Estoril circuit on the outskirts of Lisbon when Jacques Villeneuve was winning races in his rookie season. I knew where that was, at least, but not much more. So it was exciting to think about learning and then most of all going to see a new place. I've spent the past 10 years cruising around the world virtually via Google Earth, Street View. It's a great supplement. It really is. But it's not the real thing. Now I can wander virtually down Rua Augusta and through the triumphal arch to Praça de Comercio, knowing I'll be seeing it in person very soon. For the past year, I have hosted a podcast called Travel Podcast the World. The objective is to discover and profile travel podcasts and the people behind them, to learn about their story why they started their show, and what the experience has been like. It gives permission to the podcasters to talk about their show itself and not just the topics they're in. I want to give exposure and recognition to the people doing the hard work, making the commitment, and learn about not just podcasting, but how to create and sustain a good travel podcast. What are the distinct characteristics of a travel podcast? There's a lot of storytelling, for sure. And listeners are generally looking for practical information, costs, distances, hours, transport, accommodation, food, more. And podcasters and the guests are usually more than happy to oblige and share what they know. But I've learned that it's certainly a challenge to create and produce something while you're traveling. When you may run out of time, have unexpected changes of plans, you have to think about internet connections, you're tired, your location is constantly changing, and it's harder to maintain the consistent audio quality too. And then, of course, there's the tech, because what more can you really do than record into your phone and hope it's as clear as possible? Most travel podcasters summarize their trips when they get back home, or at least they are digital nomads or slow travelers and have the chance to stay in one place for a while, catch their breath, and then put together some new episodes. I knew I wanted to do something to document this trip, to apply the advice and knowledge I've gained from hosting Travel Podcasts the World, to create something fun and of value. This was the unique opportunity to not just share what others are doing, but actually do the thing myself. The plan for this podcast, then, is twofold. 
I'll be doing a daily audio journal that takes you along in real time as we make our way through this trip. I'm expecting short episodes, roughly 10-minute updates, so that I can sustain it, of course, but to also give you a taste for what the day has been like. Now, this may change, perhaps in length, perhaps in substance, hopefully not in consistency, but that's the objective, a daily podcast done while traveling. The second phase will be when we get home. I'll be putting together a standalone travel podcast mini-series that condenses the highlights, looks back on the trip, intersperses interviews, other sound bites along the way, and makes the most of my home studio to create a nice finished product. The daily journals will be more raw by design. That's part of the excitement and the authenticity of it. But there will also be, uh, how many days is that? 81, I believe. So I don't expect you to listen to each and every one. The second phase mini-series will be more accessible, easier to listen through from start to finish. It will focus again on family travel, insight and advice, and perspective that summarizes the trip after its completion. Because we are slow traveling ourselves, it won't all be catching trains, wandering through squares, visiting palaces and museums. The cornerstone of this trip is to stay in one place and feel like locals, if however briefly. But a month at our Airbnb in Rinchoa, between Sintra and Lisbon, will be a decent start. So there will be days of figuring out how to get groceries, catch the local train, visiting attractions, but also just staying home on a rainy day and practicing our Portuguese. These are the fundamental elements of slow travel. And through it all, I have a particular audience in mind, our fellow parents, particularly of younger kids, say 12 years and under. You are travelers and explorers too. You may be thinking of a similar trip and weighing the pros and cons, Maybe you've traveled with your kids already and are looking for info on Portugal specifically. Or you may be like us and have lots of travel experience as solo adults or as a couple, but traveling now with kids is an entirely different experience. So you're likely used to traveling before kids and you want to explore and learn, but you know it's now at a different pace. You want to get the most out of your trip, but balance your kids' interests and demands too. So a five-hour hike turns into a one-hour hike, but you can still go on that hike. You want to find good kids' activities and free activities, but still see some museums, do a guided tour, visit beautiful churches, study amazing architecture up close. Then it's time to find a good playground or a beach, or even a simple bench in a nice park. Trams, funiculars, other public transport are an easy, entertaining, and affordable option. But you still want to practice languages, understand the history, sample the food, and dive deep into the local culture and society. So a family trip is a hybrid. It's not all for the adults, but it's not all for the kids either. We need to approach it from both angles. It's a good challenge and one that applies to parents planning a family adventure. We know that it's going to be different this time. We won't be pushing ourselves and trying to pack in as much as possible. Instead of four sites per day, it'll be one. There will be the expectation of both planned and unplanned breaks and stops. Four people have to use the bathroom now, not just one or two. We purposely choose flights and trains that don't start too early and don't arrive too late. That's part of why we're flying to Paris instead of directly to Lisbon. I couldn't really find any direct flights that didn't arrive late at night. Besides, I'm always happy to see Paris again. It's the city the kids know best of all the places they've yet been, but they can't wait to see the Eiffel Tower. Hey, I was 18 when I first saw it. We'll be standing sur le pont d'Avignon and seeing the progress on Gaudi's Sagrada Familia 15 years after our first trip there. We've never been to Madrid, which is why we'll spend three full days there before carrying on to Lisbon. So our trip will be an example of finding that balance, and we'll see how it unfolds. 
because travel and a good travel podcast is not just about what to see, how much things cost, how to navigate it all with your kids in tow, in our case here, but it explores the deeper questions of why we're here in the first place. Why did we look for this challenge? And what were our expectations? I love to travel, but sometimes I think, you know, it could have been easier to just stay home here safe and sound. Travel has changed, and as much as we feel as prepared as possible, we can't ignore the possibilities of viruses, delays, unexpected expenses, cancellations, or other changes. We've decided to plunge ahead regardless, but traveling with kids magnifies the risks. Fundamentally, life is for living, and we have to grasp the opportunities when they arise. To not go on this trip now could be something we regret far more than any alternatives. It's our chance, and we're going to make the most of it, and I'm really excited to share it with you. Thank you for being here and joining us on this journey. You can get regular updates on my social media profiles. Both Twitter and Instagram are TedFlyTed, all one word. There's a story behind that name. I'll squeeze it in next time we have a rainy day in Lisbon. And I do encourage you to check out my regular show, Travel Podcast the World, to discover new travel podcasts to listen to or learn more about ones you already know. I work with travel podcasters too. I'm very proud to produce the show Destination Morocco with Asdin Al Mustakim. It's the world's first podcast dedicated to travel around Morocco. You can find both Travel Podcast the World and Destination Morocco on all the popular podcast apps and the links are in the show notes here. Day one will take us to Montreal Trudeau Airport. I'll be checking in with you from there in great anticipation of what is about to begin. Thanks very much, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>